Welcome to the Skull Splitter Dice Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. Visit us at SkullsplitterDice.com for the best D&D dice in the realms. Enjoy the episode. The character of the old wise wizard has been around with the fantasy genre basically since its inception, and it's totally understandable if you want to fulfill that role in your D&D session. You'll definitely need some help in building this type of class because... It's a bit more complicated than a fighter or a barbarian or anything else. And we're going to go over everything that you need to know in order to build the absolute best wizard for your playstyle in today's video. Wizard Ability Scores Wizard spells use intelligence, so you'll definitely want to make this your highest stat. Raising this to the absolute maximum that you can will make also your spells a bit more harder to surpass, meaning in tough situations, your enemy will not exactly be able to wriggle their way out of it. Dexterity and Constitution are also very important for Wizards. You can use your Mage Armor ability to make your AC 13 plus your Dexterity modifier. So the higher Dexterity is, the harder it will be to hit you. You'll also want to bump up your Constitution because, frankly, Wizards will never have a high amount of hit points, so being able to absorb and avoid damage is absolutely imperative. Additionally, concentration is a huge aspect of being a Spellcaster in 5e, so the more points in Concentration, the better. Perception checks are a very common occurrence in any D&D 5e campaign, so you'll definitely want to make perception your fourth highest stat, with strength and charisma, you know, being the bottom. They're not useful for wizards, really, at all. Some races are absolutely fantastic for playing a wizard, while others are borderline useless, so we're just going to stick to the great ones for this video. When playing a wizard, I usually also prefer to play a gnome. They get a plus two to intelligence, which allows them to have a natural aptitude for learning spells. They also have gnomish cunning, which gives them an advantage on saving throws against magic. Forest gnomes get plus one to dexterity and minor illusion. Rock gnomes get plus one to constitution. And artificer's lore allows them to double their proficiency bonus on history checks that involve magic or alchemical items. Overall, the gnome is just a great race to play when you're also deciding to be a wizard. The Elf. All Elves get plus two to Dexterity, which helps your AC right off the bat. They also automatically get a proficiency in the Perception skill, which, if anyone that's played a D&D campaign, I don't have to tell you how useful that is. And High Elves in particular get a plus one Intelligence and an extra Cantrip, which is great for any wizard. Human Variant. Humans using variant rules are able to get plus one to two abilities. You can use this to give yourself plus one to intelligence and dexterity or intelligence and constitution. They also get an extra skill and a feat at level one. Put this extra skill into history, investigation, or some other intelligence-based stat and take spell sniper or elemental adept for the feat. The half-elf. Half-elves get plus one to intelligence. In addition, skill versatility gives them proficiency in two extra skills. Since wizards often rely on knowledge skills to succeed where others might fail, you can see how this would come in handy real quick, especially if you're playing with a lot of power players and people that rush into situations not thinking. The tiefling. Tieflings get plus one to intelligence, which automatically makes them better at casting wizard spells than most races. They also get thaumaturgy, hellish rebuke, and darkness spells. However, these spells must be cast using charisma, so you'll only want to play a tiefling if your lowest ability score rolls are higher than 10. At level 2, you're able to choose your arcane tradition, a school of magic that you sort of specialize in. There are eight schools listed in the player's handbook, six of which I would say are highly effective, and there's even more in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which we will briefly go over. Abjuration. This is the school about blocking, banishing, and protecting. 
At level 2, you use Arcane Ward to create a magical ward around you that has hit points equal to your intelligence modifier. This ward becomes more powerful as you level up. At level 6, you can use Projected Ward to move your Arcane Ward onto one of your other friends as a reaction, protecting them from other damage. At level 6, you can use Projected Ward to move your Arcane Ward onto one of your teammates in order to protect them from incoming damage. Divination. This gives you spells of discernment, remote viewing, and other supernatural knowledge. At level 2, Portent lets you roll 2d20s and record the result. You can later replace a roll you made, or someone else's roll, with this roll. So if you're in a situation where you need a higher roll, replace it. Or if your opponent has a high damage output, or if they passed a saving throw, replace it with a low roll. You can definitely see how this would be very useful, even in an early stage of a campaign. And at level 6, you get Expert Divination, which allows you to regain an expended spell slot. Enchantment. This school allows you to magically enter other creatures. At level 2, you can use Hypnotic Gaze, and this allows you to stun an opponent that gets too close, while at level 6, you can use Instinctive Charm to make your opponents hit their own allies instead of you, which sounds more like a video game cheat code than a spell when you get right down to it. Evocation. The School of Evocation allows you to enhance your offensive elemental spells, stuff like your fire, frost, and acid damage. At level 2, you get Sculpt Spells, which helps prevent your area of effect spells from doing damage to your teammates, which I don't have to tell you how effective that can be, especially in an early part of the campaign. And at level 10, Empowered Evocation allows you to do more damage from your evocation spells. Illusion. The name really says it all. This is the school of magic where you learn tricks and illusions. At level 2, you get improved minor illusion, which allows you to create an image or a sound using a single cast. And at level 6, you get malleable illusion, which lets you change the nature of an illusion after it has been cast, creating even more realistic appearances from your spells. At level 6, you get malleable illusion, which allows you to change the nature of an illusion after it has been cast creating more realistic appearances. These illusions can be used in a variety of ways, whether it be getting information, disguising. Uh, it's obviously more geared towards role-playing as opposed to combat, but that's sort of the allure of it all. Necromancy. This is essentially the death magic school. At level 2, you get Grim Harvest, and this lets you suck away the life of creatures you kill with a first level or higher spell, healing yourself in the process. At level 6, you get Undead Thralls, and this allows you to cast Animate Dead on two corpses at once and give them both higher hit points and higher damage output. Some players' uh, characters might view necromancy as an abomination or a crime against nature, and if that's the case, you might have to do this spell in secret. Spells. No D&D 5e Wizard's Guide would be complete without a list of all the best spells. And starting off at level 1, you'll want to use Catapult in order to fling heavy objects at your enemy, or Magic Missile in order to hit them with magic darts. If there are too many of them to handle, you can try to cast Sleep on them in order to try and get out of there, or you can use Thunder Wave to hit them all at once. At level 2, you get Misty Step in order to teleport yourself out of danger, which you do not have a lot of hit points, you cannot take a lot of direct damage, this is a necessary spell. And at level 3, you can use Animate Dead to get some new allies on your side, or Counterspell to deal with the opposition's wizards. At level 3, you can get Animate Dead in order to get some new allies on your side, Counterspell to deal with the opposition's wizards, and Haste in order to buff your fighters so that they can mow down more enemies for you. For direct damage, I would definitely recommend using Melv's Minute Meteors, though.
The higher level wizard you become, the better spells that you will also get, many of which are far more complicated and, let's say, powerful than these ones. But this is definitely enough to get you started. Wizard skills. When it comes to skills, wizards absolutely excel at absorbing information and using that information to solve problems around them. Use Arcana to recall information about magical objects or lore, history to understand the world around you, and investigation to follow trails or clues to solve mysteries. And although the cleric in your group might know religion, they probably lack the intelligence to make good use out of it, so don't be afraid to take charge in this arena as well. Wizard feats. Most feats in the player's handbook are not exactly helpful to wizards, and when they are, they're very situational and circumstantial. So most of the time, you'll probably want to take the ability score improvement instead. There are a few exceptions to this, however, and the first one is Warcaster. This gives you an advantage on concentration checks and a limited ability to cast a spell as a reaction if someone provokes an opportunity attack. Advantage is the mathematical equivalent of plus five. The other exception is Resilience, and this gives you an additional point to Constitution, as well as saving throws in Constitution. The Concentration mechanic works off of Constitution saving throws, so this can be extremely valuable for you later in the game. If you had an odd Constitution score as well, the increase in points is incredibly helpful. The third exception is Elemental Adept, and this lets you choose an element, acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder, and any spells that you cast that does damage from that element turns all rolls that are ones on your damage dice into twos, and all of your spells ignore resistance to that elemental damage type. This is especially good for wizards of the evocation tradition, and keep in mind that fire is the most commonly resisted element in Dungeons & Dragons 5e, so you might want to exploit that. The final exception is something that I believe just about any wizard build could use, and that's Spell Sniper, which doubles your spell range. It also makes your ranged spells ignore half and three quarters cover, and it gives you an additional attack spell. For Xanathar's class updates. You can tell by the time that Xanathar's guide rolled around that a lot of people were hoping that the wizard could be a bit more involved in combat, something that the power players could really enjoy. And war magic is just that. It's battle magic, pure and simple. You gain defensive abilities that really help you offset the wizard's innate squish factor, and you also get offensive capabilities that will reliably add to your damage output. This is a great option if you want to play a wizard that can actually join the fray for a change. So we've gone over a lot of detail over the wizard class today, and rightfully so. Playing a wizard is not something that's easy, especially for a first-timer, and what is easy about the class is to accidentally play it in a very vulnerable way. So this guide was hopefully useful to you in that regard. So we've gone over a lot of very specific information over the wizard class today, and I think that's mainly because there are a lot of different ways to play the wizard, not just mechanically, but from a role-playing perspective, which are only complemented by its mechanical abilities. You can be an illusionist that helps trick people, you can be an evoker that casts magical, powerful damage spells, an abjurer who buffs up his friends, or you can just be a sage old wizard that does stuff circumstantially and situationally. Either way, the wizard is something that's very fun to play, it's quintessential to just about every piece of fantasy fiction out there, and if you're willing to put in the legwork and really make something that is catered to your playstyle, I see no reason why you wouldn't enjoy the wizard. Regardless of which type of wizard you play, I hope this guide has been helpful to you, and I hope that it makes a difference in your group later on. I'm Patrick Ferguson with Skull Splitter Dice, and I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.